Mother, man. This is Tucker. And this is Shannon from the Black Crypt Podcast. And you're listening to Murder Metal Mayhem. Able to shatter eardrums within a 666 mile radius. A podcast more brutal than all the rest. It's Murder Metal What's up, Chris? What's up, Pete? We got a special thing going yeah, on Yeah, a little bonus episode for you guys uh, while we're taking a break, doing some shit. Taking uh, care of life and business and whatnot. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, so we thought this would be cool. Uh, Chris and I recorded this back at the Dark History Convention. Yes, sir. October 26th, 2019 uh, in Champaign. Illinois, and we had our yes, buddies with, with us. Our friends from the uh, Black Crypt podcast. Yeah. They're awesome guys. Those guys are with. amazing, yeah, I man. love hanging out with them guys. Yeah, they're a good group of guys, and their podcast kicks ass. So definitely go check, check out Black Crypt podcast and uh, tell them we sent you. They'll probably oh, yeah. kind of keep you in the corner of the room yeah, for a yeah, while. they're going to shun you a little bit, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is cool. It's live. It's about 45 minutes or so of us talking about the Amityville Horror. Yeah. That was kind of cool. That was fun. It was a Halloween-themed event, so we thought it would be cool. So check this out, little live Murder Metal Mayhem mashup with Black Crypt Podcast. All right, well, hell yeah. It's awesome to be doing this special live mashup with our friends here at the Black Crypt Podcast. We met you guys here at the con last year. We did. And that's really cool. Chris, we had a good time doing this last year with these guys, meeting with them and doing some interviews. And that shit was fucking awesome. I fucking still listen to you guys' podcast the way it is. You guys are fucking kick-ass, dude. Hell yeah. Good oh, to do yeah. this with you, man. Horn's high, buddy. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and don't forget that PG-13 rating, Chris. PG-13. <laughs> so thanks, guys, for checking us out. Tucker, how's the uh, Black Crip podcast guys doing over there? Doing good. Yeah. Doing good. Yeah, we're, we put out episodes sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. So, yeah. We try to do that bi-weekly, but that ends up being uh, hit or miss. Yeah. Well, yeah. we all have busy lives and yeah. a lot of stuff going on. Exactly. But uh, I'm Pete, and this is Chris, and we are... Our murder metal mayhem and of course our friends here black crypt podcast introduce yourself yeah you guys want to introduce yeah. yourselves over there yeah welcome everybody i'm tucker and as always i'm here with shannon how's it going and alex what is up what is up indeed? Sharing mics, that's what's up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're making this work here with uh, limited resources, but Brian Ward is the man behind this whole convention, so give it up for Brian. Give it up for Brian Ward, everybody. running around like a maniac all day. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. He is a definitely hardworking guy, and so take a second, give him some thanks, and uh, he's been working every day and night for a solid year to put this convention together, so definitely give it up to Brian, and we thank him for letting us do this, and today we're going to just do a short episode with a Halloween theme. Uh, since it's that time of the year, both podcasts are here, and we kind of divided up the work a little bit. Tucker, we had a, a conversation, you and I, and just kind of made this thing happen, so this yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I think we're going to make it work. Awesome. Uh, the topic is going to be the Amityville Horror, 
Uh, we're going to talk about the actual murder of the DeFeo family that happened in 1974. And then we'll talk about the book, movies, hauntings, and the hoax part of the story after that. So, What do you mean hoax? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. So the true story of the Amityville Horror starts in 1965 uh, with the DeFeo family moving from Brooklyn to the yuppie Long Island town of Amityville, New York. Um, I learned that Amity actually means friendly. I don't know if I would call friendly what's going on here. <laughs> no, not very. Kind of a funny little aside. But um, Ronald DeFeo, the father, ran a car dealership in Brooklyn. Uh, so they had a pretty healthy income coming in from the family business. And of course, with a last name like that, uh, the rumors of organized crime influences run rampant. Now, I've got a vowel at the end of my name, so I get that uh, with the last name of Altieri. Well, and, and no one no one ever has a problem with used car dealers either. That's right. So of I'm course, they get the double whammy yeah. going on there. Now, Chris, this was something I heard a lot about, but I don't know. What do you think? Was the mob involved in this whole thing? Well, being your last name is Altieri, you are Italian-American, uh, and you've got this fire-ass podcast going, and the mob is involved. I'm going to say possible. I don't know, but probably not. <laughs> I didn't plan on this tie-in, but we actually had a mob we featured on a podcast oh my God, dude. who contacted us. He was he is in currently serving multiple life sentences. Tommy Patera, also known as Tommy Karate, had somebody contact us, did not like what we said about him on the podcast. Really? Wow. A little unnerving, if I could say uh, yeah. so. Hey, at I least a, I was afraid we were gonna get a hit put out on us for real, dude. I'm like, hey Ma, sleep <laughs> with your gun. <laughs> I mean, seriously, the guy got a hold of us. It was pretty scary. So well, like, at least you have that kind of listenership. I we, guess. We, we I hope like, we get contacted wow. by the mob. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. uh, so one of the documentaries I watched uh, claimed their Brooklyn car dealership was a front for the mob. Claims of it being a chop shop for stolen vehicles, money laundering, and, and worse. Some believe there was a fallout with the mob. <laughs> And that's what led the family to being murdered so violently. And others think the mob story is just fabricated and obviously sensationalized because of their Italian-American heritage and these gruesome killings. Now, as an Italian, that thing doesn't really bother me. I find it funny that the media immediately rushes to that assumption um, because they often do that. But what, it doesn't offend me. I think if somebody sees my last name and thinks I'm like part of the Soprano crime family, <laughs> they're an idiot. So, you know, I don't care. Just wait till they meet you. That's right. right. That's right. It's even worse. That's right. And I am in the environmental business, so that kind of sounds like a Tony Soprano in waste management in them. That's a cover-up. Um, there was apparently a quite a bit of a turmoil in the family. They did fight a lot, uh, yelled at each other, that sort of thing. Uh, with the parents, Ronald and Louise, their five children, Ronald Jr., Dawn, Allison, Mark, and John Matthew. Ronald Jr. was the oldest, known as Ronnie or Butch. Uh, growing up, uh, he was always in trouble with the police. Uh, caused a lot of stress on his yeah. parents. Uh, so he's a troubled kid. Also had a little bit of a heroin problem. Certainly costing his father a lot of money. Supporting him even as an adult. 
Now he did work at the car dealership off and on, but didn't seem like you know he wanted to do that. Um, that could be a reason. You know, there was all this trouble in the home. And certainly, money is typically the cause for internal fighting. Now, Tucker and the Black Crip guys, did you guys hear about the abuse that uh, the dad supposedly dealt to Ronald and the, and the older sister? Yeah, there. You know, like you said before, there was a lot of talk around town of abuse towards the family, and not not just the father towards them, but but kind of all around. Um, and that's why a lot of people, right before the murders actually happened, there was an altercation that neighbors talked about between Butch DeFeo and uh, and Ronnie Senior, where uh, you know Butch ended up with a fat lip because uh, they were mouthing off and they got into it. So it, it was the whole thing was just rife with. with with, with uh, physical and mental abuse, so not just one or the other. Yeah, and I, you know, we all know families fight, but this seemed a little excessive. Certainly could have been the spark. Uh, that November 13th, 1974, 1974 was a night that would definitely shake up Amityville for a long time. Um, a town of about 10,000 made up of, of rich uh, yuppies in a beautiful colonial homes, uh, very nice cars, boats, you know, beautiful beaches, ocean view, kind of the quintessential, you know, New York suburb people with money. So six people shot dead in their home, certainly not the kind of thing you would expect in a place like yeah. that. Well, and anybody that's seen the Amityville Horror movie knows, I mean, the, the house was, it was a nice house. It had a boathouse. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, so this wasn't like a rundown, uh, crummy area or anything. It was, it was no. upper society. Now, they didn't really fit in, the DeFeos uh, in Amityville. Ronald was really loud, the typical alpha male Italian. Uh, they must have stuck out. Some of their neighbors did have nice things to say about them, though. So you're basically saying it'd be like if I moved out of the trailer park into, say, <laughs> like one of the richest neighborhoods in Bloomington. I'd fit in. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you would. About as much as me up here drinking a beer because I don't drink. Uh, so I'm, I'm up here drinking beer because after setting this PA up, I kind of needed one. Well, it's, it's dark history and horror con. Anything right. goes. Stress reliever. <laughs> it is. So late on November 13th, Butch DeFeo, who was 23 at the time, went into Henry's Bar. It was right down the street from the family home. Told the bartender and some friends who were there that his family was dead. Uh, he said, you got to help me. I think my mother and father are shot. He led a group of his friends to the home and confirmed that everyone in the family was dead. One of his friends called the Suffolk County Police, who did a search of the home and found all six victims. Now, Chris, it's hard to believe a guy like Ronnie DeFeo seemed that he, you know, was all over the place. A lot of storytelling. I've, lived, I've known some shady people all my life, and being on heroin and doing drugs and already run-ins with the cops, he would have said anything to try to get himself out of it because he believes that whatever he did for himself was right for him, even though he, he killed his family, quote, quote, whatever, but he could have said anything just to get out of it, and I've known a lot of heroin addicts, and it's not a good thing. They'll do whatever they can to get out of what they're doing, dude, so he would have said pretty much anything. Thank <laughs> you.
Yeah, and his story kept changing. So two days later, uh, the police uh, had a suspect, Butch DeFeo, um, an empty box for a lever-action Marlin 35 caliber rifle was found in his closet, which was the same weapon that was used to kill the family. Um, after hours of interrogation, the police claimed that Butch confessed to all five murders and was charged with the crimes. Of course, his attorney claimed the police beat the confession out of him. Uh, he claimed his client was insane, didn't know what he yeah. was saying, but the psychiatrist that examined him didn't agree, said he was not insane, certainly not in the legal sense of the word. What do you guys, Black Crip podcast guys, what do you guys think about this whole insanity? Yeah, Shannon. I'm just, I'm just saying from what video and pictures I've seen, the guy does look insane, period. Just looking at his wide eye, just like into your soul kind of look, he just looks out of it. I, I mean, of I, I would believe any sort of insanity look to him. Yeah, really that's what bit. I thought. Was that, yeah, like a Manson look. The, the guy was an avid user of LSD, so if that tells you anything <laughs> right, right there. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I'm glad that you added in the legal sense of the word, because when it comes to the court of law, they the, really the only thing they care about is did he did he know that murdering people was was right or wrong? Right. And in the end, that's it. So. Uh, yeah, and the fact that he got rid of the weapon and did all that stuff certainly backs up that he knew what he was yeah. doing was wrong. I'm sorry, officer. I didn't know I couldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> when, you're, when you're hiding evidence, you know exactly what you're doing yeah. no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty hard. I mean, a lot of the ones we feature, uh, the cases that we feature, um, it's pretty tough, I think, to meet that legal definition because in some way, shape, or form, these guys typically hide, cover up, you know, do what they can to not be captured, and just that in and of itself would make you sane in the legal sense of the word. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he told the police once it got started, it all went very fast. At first he said a mob hitman did the murders and then that he worked with the hitman and it kept changing. They didn't believe him. Um, he said that he took a shower at the house before he left and then got rid of the gun and other evidence before he left for work the next day. Some also thought the oldest daughter, Dawn, helped him kill the family and then he killed her to keep it quiet. Like when you go into the bar and you're talking to people and you say it was a mob hitman, that's not helping the story either, saying that the mob was in involved in it. That's not helping at all when you're actually saying it, right? Yeah. Not at all. So, fuck them. Shit. Yeah. Now, uh, according to the police, Butch shot each of his parents twice with the Marlin rifle and then each of the kids once. All were killed in their beds, and it is amazing that no one woke up with this loud rifle going off repeatedly. I mean, it was a big house, but still. I mean, if you're shooting a gun in a house, you're going to hear it. So that's kind of shady. Uh, Tess later showed that the rifle could have been heard outside of the house. No shit. Uh, so it's a strange <laughs> that none of the neighbors said they heard anything. Um, this is also the reason why some people believe there were other gunmen involved. Because it would have been difficult for one shooter killing six people with one weapon on multiple floors that no one woke up to confront him. Yeah, if, there was if there was multiple shooters 
timed at the same time, yeah, but I can't see one shooter, nobody hearing it. I couldn't understand, because I shoot guns, and they're fucking loud. I yeah. mean, dang loud. They are darn loud, <laughs> those guns, aren't they? Um, and since this is PG-13, kids, don't use guns, okay? Or at least don't use them to shoot your family. All right? or that get would be nice. Or get trained properly to do it by a certified arms trainer. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like these gangbangers, you know, like they shoot like 40 people in Chicago, but only two die. Yes. I mean, they need some target practice. They, yeah, they I mean, some kill each time. other. Don't kill innocent people, but just call <laughs> the herd by shooting each other and killing you. Yes. All right. If you don't mind, I'd like to piggyback a little off of that. Sure. By saying, with the sound of the gun going off and nobody claiming that they heard anything, and they did test with that same model and everything, and it was loud enough to be heard houses away. Oh, yeah. Outside, yeah. My, yeah. my thoughts were, maybe this wasn't the greatest neighborhood that they thought it was. You know, maybe sure. the family had a reputation. They're like, I'm staying out of this. I ain't right. hear nothing, you know? That's right. Yeah, yeah no really. No snitches in that community. That's a good point. I mean, it's like, I didn't hear shit, you know? There were other reports as well that, um, so uh, Butch DeFeo was watching a movie downstairs in the basement uh, before all of this happened, and the movie that he was watching was uh, a loud movie full of, like, car chases and gunshots and all sorts of horrific things, and they said that he used to watch TV at an extremely loud volume. So that may have served uh, to, to uh, kind of mask the sound of gunshots as well. Family heard a loud bang, and they thought, like, you know, damn it, Butch is downstairs watching his, watching his stories again or something. You never know, so... Right, and I think I remember in the movie or the book or both, they talked about when he did the murders that there was a, a thunderstorm going on. Okay. But in all the documentaries and reading I did about the actual case, I saw no mention of that. So I yeah. think that was fabricated for the movie because it would kind of explain away why there were no reports of multiple gunshots going off if it was a loud storm, but... Yeah, I had not heard anything about thunderstorm either. So. Yeah, yeah, I think it was just for the book or the movie. Um, now, I did see that one news story uh, that was done about seven years ago claimed they found a gun that was in the canal behind the house on Ocean Avenue and a pillowcase that appears to have come from the DeFeo house. Yeah, they found the, they found the rifle. Yeah, they found the rifle in the water behind the house a couple years later or some shit like that. Yeah, it was seven years ago, so, I mean, it was fairly recent. But I didn't see any follow-up to that, so I'm not quite sure. But Butch DeFeo is still in Sullivan Prison in New York. Uh, his health is failing, but he is still alive, last I heard. So let's hear from the Black uh, Crypt podcast guys on some of the offense that happened after the murders. So. All right. Well, how many people here today want to hear a story about a haunting? Anyone? Hey. Okay, Alex, get the clipboard. We have one, two, three, <laughs> three, three, four. Okay, all right. At least. Yeah, okay. At least. Uh, well, I'm sorry, but you've come to the wrong place. Maybe <laughs> yeah, I know. Because uh, the story of the Amityville haunting um, isn't so much a haunting as it is a story of a hoax. Um, but So we're going to talk a little bit about that. It all kind of started off after the DeFeo murders with a nice young couple and their family called George. 
and Kathy Lutz. And if you guys have ever seen the Amityville Horror or you've read the book, you're going you're gonna to kind of know a little bit about the events that are happening. Uh, but George and Kathy Lutz moved into the DeFeo Murder House at 112, 112 right? Ocean yes, Avenue? Yes, 112. Uh, they moved into that house with their children, Daniel, Christopher, and Missy. This was in December of 1975, which was literally a month and a year after the DeFeo murders happened. Oh, wow. So this is, this is very recently. The house did not sit empty for 20 or 30 years. Um, it was, it was a quick two. getting it. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then as the story goes, the Lutz family would only occupy that house for 28 days before the family left. Only, what, like three changes of clothes with them is all. They took nothing. They left their furniture. They left their, uh, their photo albums, everything at the house, and they just left. There was a press conference a few days after that, and uh, George Lutz basically told the press that he wouldn't give details. <laughs> So he wouldn't give details, but he said they were compelled to leave by a very strong force. And he just refused to give out any other information. Yeah. So already we are kind of sowing the seeds of uh, ambiguity, I should say. I know what strong force is like. My brothers fell on me before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the basis of a lot of paranormal investigation is can we find any ambiguity? Can we find anything, any anomaly? Right. Right. It's, it's like we're not actually looking for anything scientific. It's like, hey, is there an anomaly? All right, ghosts. Right. And that's right. what it ends up being. Right, right. Well, and when you think about it, I mean, everything that you need for a haunting is there. I mean, you had a family of six, like, brutally murdered in the middle of the night in their beds, in their sleep. And um, so everything you need for a classic horror story is there. Oh, yeah. They were smart in picking the right place, right time. I mean, right after The Exorcist came out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was big, you know, the, the movie, of course, huge. So the so, couldn't be perfect. No, they were exactly had it dialed in. Excuse me. So, of course, there were claims of a haunting. So, um, uh, you guys remember some of the things that had happened at the house that they said were going on? Um, I, I know one of the things, for whatever reason, that always comes up when they talk about the strange occurrences at the at the household is they always say that the dog tried to hang itself by its collar. Like I an saw that after an hour they moved into the house. Yeah. And I, I know we probably have a lot of pet owners here in the building, but right. I, dogs don't. Have the, the frame of mind to like commit suicide. All right, I need to this say something did. about what you just said. Yeah. Because uh, there's this creek that we go to all the time, and the bridge is there. Me, my brother, and my sister all went out there one day. My sister's got her dog on the leash, on the collar, everything. This mother, this dog just runs and jumps over the bridge. Oh if we were not holding on to the leash, she would have plummeted, dude. Like, oh. hold on. We Thank had to God. pull him back up. So, well, I don't know the dog ain't trying to commit suicide, but that that legit happened, what, dude. What kind of a life is that dog leading? <laughs> a really good one. That's what's messed up. He's living a really good life. That's what's messed up. <laughs> so that's one thing. So again, he didn't give us a lot of information at the press conference itself, but he did later on 
kind of talk about some things that were going on in the well, house. Well, they said, I think one of the big ticket items that made them leave that night was, I think they mentioned that the door, the front door, that big, heavy, huge front door got like broken in or kicked in and fell inside. And then those iconic windows that they have up on top of the house shattered. And I believe there was like a newspaper, newspaper clipping as well that showed the front door. And the front door wasn't broken down. It was the screen door that was like barely bent a little bit. So it just, it just, there's no validity to anything that he's claiming, you know? Yeah, I thought the pig with the red eyes was kind of yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Jody. Yeah, yeah, Jody the pig. Jody the pig. Uh, that was uh, a good one. And then, of course, the flies. The flies, On the yeah. window and the, the Fly, priest. Yeah. We'll definitely get into the flies. <laughs> so, um, so uh, other, other kind of random paranormal events that you might expect. Phantom footsteps uh, creaking in the hallways, doors opening and closing on their own accord, things like that. Things that any your your run-of-the-mill haunted house uh, down the road from you probably is experiencing. Those are the kind of things that originally they talked about experiencing. So and you mentioned Jody and the flies and all that kind of right, stuff. Yeah. Right. And they also had a green gelatinous goo, they said, that they found as well as uh, towards the end of the night before they left, they claimed that there was wrapping uh, on the walls and all sorts of noises being made and then that was the final straw for them and they were out. Yeah. So... What happens next is pretty much the stick in the spokes of the Amityville horror story. The Lutz family meets William Weber. And for I didn't know before doing the research, so for all of you, William Weber was the defense attorney for Ronnie Butch DeFeo Jr. And he met up with them uh, shortly after uh, they moved out of the house. They had this press conference that George was talking about about uh, having to leave the house from a very strong force. That press conference took place in William Weber's law office, or in the, in the front office of his, of his business. And they arranged to meet him because George said that he had felt something in the house contributed to what Butch DeFeo had, had done. So I think what they were trying to work out here was Butch DeFeo's insanity case had already failed. And so if they could try and come up with something for William Weber that might lead them to believe like maybe there's something bigger going on at work here than what we had originally known, maybe we can bring this back to trial. And I think that's what William Weber was trying to trying that's to do. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I had not heard that angle for, but I think that makes a lot of sense. There was a writer named Paul Hoffman who was also present at that meeting. And uh, Paul Hoffman presented his findings from George and Kathy Lutz's interview in uh, what is quite possibly the most prolific supernatural and paranormal magazine that exists in the world today, and that is Good Housekeeping. <laughs> if I remember correctly as well, he was a screenwriter and then turned author after this whole event went down. And that, that article in Good Housekeeping was entitled, Our Dream House Was Haunted. So you could get your recipe for uh, some brown Betty or some something like that, and then and yeah, some pecan pie, and then in the, in the next page, flip over and hear the story of the Amityville haunting. That's like the new uh, Barbie house instead of Barbie Dream House, Barbie Haunted House. Yes. <laughs> I, I'd buy it. Yeah. Do we have anybody selling Barbie's Haunted House here today? Any vendors? Right, right, no? Right. <laughs> so uh, 
and as I mentioned before, that the press conference, that was February 13th of 1976, um, which was right after they moved out of the house. I mean, they moved in the end of December, uh, and then they moved out 28 days later. So we're talking a matter of literally a couple of weeks before they moved out of the house and they held a press conference in the office of William Weber. Well... Know if any of you out there listen to the Black Crib podcast, but you know the next section that we're getting ready to get into is, is a little bit of a subject for us, a little bit of a source subject. Yeah. Because what happens next is once the news yeah. of the haunting gets out in Good Housekeeping magazine, we have some people that come to the house to perform an investigation. Who would that be? Oh, I can't imagine who it was. Ed and Lorraine. Ed and Lorraine. They're from my home state of Connecticut. I've seen them speak several times. Um, they're entertaining, but that's about it. Yeah. I was going to say reputable. <laughs> entertaining. We'll go with entertaining. No, yeah, that yeah. was a joke. <laughs> right. So Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, if you are familiar with uh, The Conjuring, uh, Annabelle, uh, what are any number of those offshoot movies that they did? Insidious or anything? Uh, it, no, not Insidious. That was what? different. Yeah. Get out of this horror podcast. What are you doing? <laughs> All right, see ya. So Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, they were they were the masterminds behind uh, in the mid 70s, 80s, all of that. Basically, any mainstream haunting, they were there, and they were. Uh, Ed, Lorraine Warren was supposedly a medium or a psychic, right? Yeah, something like that. And or then charlatan. Uh, yes, and then Ed was he was the, the the brains behind the operation, I suppose. But um, the Jim Jones of it. He was. That's a good analogy. Ed, yeah, be the Jim Jones. Of it. He is. Well, it made him a lot of money. Right. <laughs> That's for sure. So they had met with the Lutz family several times, and they held what they called a psychic gathering in the Amityville house. And uh, boy, did they just, they knew after being there, there was a demonic entity there immediately. They, uh, there was a, some sort of non-human entity, I guess we would call it nowadays, as well as claims of, uh, uh, claims of Indian burial ground. There was yeah, some sort of like the classic Indian burial ground. I mean, I'm from the East Coast. You're going to be pretty hard pressed to find anywhere on the East Coast where there weren't Indians. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think you could make the stretch of just about any plot of land to somehow tie it into the Indian burial ground story. In addition to that, there was also a quote unquote uh, way, way back dark magician of sorts that when he passed away, wanted his remains <laughs> buried on the property. And this was a long, long time ago. And I'm like, oh wow, so we got the dark magician, Indians, and now all of a sudden this murder that's going on. Oh, this place is super haunted, and they just so happened to bring Ed and Lorraine Warren into this, and this is just the perfect cocktail, the perfect storm yeah, for yeah. some horror. And hey, would you imagine this too? The Exorcist came out yeah, about a year ago yeah. before this happened. Yeah. This seems all too crazy. perfect. <laughs> a, d a dark magician, huh? Is that? Um, that's I, what they labeled it as. I actually have a dark magician deck, and so you've activated <laughs> one of my trap cards. Just don't send me to the shadow realm. <laughs> so, uh, so it sounds like you guys are pretty familiar with Ed and Lorraine Warren as well. I think oh, yeah. anybody is. So, uh, well, and so then after Ed and Lorraine Warren come in, they just fed into this haunting narrative that the Lutz family had created. 
I'm going to say created for now until we get to kind of our, our final part there. But um, uh, so time to tell the story. During a late meeting with the DeFeos, that defense attorney, William Weber, that we mentioned earlier, uh, in his own words, said that many bottles of wine were consumed in which the Lutzes Hell detailed yeah. their story. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all consumed many bottles of wine or many beverages, bushes, bush <laughs> beers. And um, so they, over a, oh, several hours, created this story. But that's not the worst part. What The worst part is that while they were drinking and coming up with the details of the Amityville horror story... <laughs> Weber was showing the Lutz family crime scene photos from the DeFeo family being murdered. And so, Pete, you mentioned earlier the thing about the flies. Um, well, flies, as you can imagine, in which dead human bodies are left in an open-air house for 48 hours before they were finally all removed, there's probably going to be flies in some of those crime scene photos. Yeah. And what, and what William Weber would do is he would show them a photo, and he would say, so in this picture, you see all these flies? Did you ever experience anything like that? And George and Kathy Lutz would say, well, you know what? Now that we see it now that you mention it there were a lot of flies there there were they were always swarming buzzing around a lot of right, hand holding right. decomposition yes yeah and uh, the same thing goes with the uh, uh, Shannon mentioned earlier in the in the movie. There's green slime oh. uh, that's coming out of like the the, the sockets and the around the door frames and things like that. Um, and so in the crime scene photos, there is green. Is that slime? Nickelodeon make an appearance there. Is it that is. Why the green slime? <laughs> yeah, you can't do that on television. Hey, you can't do. You can't say that on a podcast, bro. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't have the we didn't have the budget for the slime this year. Yeah, I was gonna say Brian's gonna surprise us all with a shower of green slime when we're done. Well, one of the things that they were shown in those crime scene photos was uh, green, greenish, blackish fingerprint dust that was present along all of the door jams and window jams of the house. Uh, and and once again, same situation. They would look at those photos and say, Ah, now now that we see this, we do remember that we do. And so I wonder if the guy that did the interrogation in making a murderer of the kid that was disabled, mentally challenged, if he did this because it's how he led that kid yes. and all that stuff, sounds like the same type of thing here. Just yeah. planting seeds. Exactly. Oh yeah, green slime. Or, oh yeah, flies on the window. Is that not... Uh, the, to, to us, the running gag on making a murderer is... I don't know if this is just a Wisconsin thing. Is, is there anyone here listening from Wisconsin or a Wisconsin area? No? I don't think anybody's listening anyway. It's fine. Um, no. um, whenever they call someone, no one ever says hello. They always say, yeah. 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 And then the other person says, yeah. Yeah. And then they just start talking. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's a Wisconsin. Sure. Maybe it is. Yeah, sure. I don't know. So, uh, so long story short, they tell this story with William Weber and Weber and the Lutz family then are joined by a, a man who is now famous. He's dead, but he's famous, uh, Jay Anson. And you might know Jay Anson because he wrote the Amityville Horror book, and he wrote the screenplay for the movie. That, that's right. That's right. 
made a lot of money. He made a lot of money. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, he made a lot of money. So, and, and if you have never seen the, uh, I push that mic away just a touch there, sorry. If you've never seen the, the original Amityville, was it 79? 1979? Sounds right. Uh, a horror movie, just because it, the, the real story isn't true doesn't mean you shouldn't watch it, because that's the best one. Um, they had the remake in 2005 with Ryan Reynolds. Um, he, are you going to disagree with me? The original old school movies are the best ones. Oh, the new remakes, time. like, after you, it, like, I know this is off subject, but uh, Last House on the Left, the original is way better than... Just watched it. Come on, man. Like, the old school, watch the old school Amityville Horror. My favorite part, we're going to get off subject here, but we're a horror podcast, so just join us on this exactly. journey. Um, <laughs> my favorite part of the last, uh, last House on the Left, the original, is when he's in the basement and he has the shotgun, and all of a sudden you just hear the chainsaw, like, <laughs> start revving up, and then the dad's coming up the stairs. <laughs> So, uh, Jay Anson, he uh, wrote the book, and he did this, uh, all of the information that he used to write the Amityville Horror, which it, it, the subtitle is A True Story, was based off of these uh, these discussions that they had with William Weber over many bottles of wine in which they were shown crime scene Can you imagine if that happened nowadays? Yeah. Like, they, you'd think they'd keep those under wraps a little bit better, right? Right. right. Yeah. So, um, so uh, Pete, you're an author. Uh, have you ever read Jay Anson's Amityville Horror? I did. I read it uh, when I was young, uh, when it came out, because I'm a little older than you guys. <laughs> uh, feel ancient sometimes, but nonetheless, he's his own grandpa. I remember <laughs> riding uh, in the car with my parents, reading that book, and it was freaking me out because at the time, it was all over the media, especially where I lived in Connecticut, and uh, we were going to my aunt's house in New York. And I remember I was reading the book and I was freaking out and I looked out the window and it said, welcome to Amityville. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? I mean, like, why are we going here? I mean, what is, of all the places we could go right now, why is it, why is it Amityville while I'm reading this book? When, it was really when you crossed out. over the town line, did it say, good? Oh. Yeah. I did not see any pigs with red eyes. Okay. But my aunt lived only a couple of blocks from the house so of course me and my cousins wanted to go check it out but it was all cordoned off they had police because I'm sure still today you have people that drive by there but at that time it was crazy so so yeah I did read the book it freaked me out because I think I was in junior high or so at the time and it was believed to be a true story of course later debunked and kind of laughed at but at the time and especially at that age. It was definitely, it was freaky. It was yeah. a freaky story. Yeah. yeah. Well, that pretty much concludes the story of the hoax. What do you guys think? Do you think that there is any truth to the story at all? Do you think it's all just a bunch of BS? What do you think? Personally, I think it's all, all BS. I think it was all concocted, carefully crafted. All the players, the Warrens, uh, the Jay Anson, everybody played a part. I really, I really think Butch killed his family trying to get money because he just didn't want to do shit, and he was a junkie, and he's like, fuck it, how can I do this? So, I think that. Yeah. Yeah. What about you guys? Alex, Shannon, what do you think? The only thing that I, st I mean, I obviously believe the whole thing was a hoax, and it was definitely concocted and planned out, the format. It was definitely all planned out. The only thing that still 
kind of racks my brain is why did nobody else wake up? Exactly. exactly. I know. I know for a fact. Like if I heard even something remotely close to a gunshot in my house, whether it was two floors up in the basement, wherever. I know I'm up, and I'm walking around, I'm finding out what the hell's going on, you know? Right, even if it was just a firecracker, you hear right. that sound, yeah. you're going to wake up. Yeah. yeah, so, and for some reason I feel like with that, that gun, I picture him on horseback, because it's the lever, the, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, just, like, I picture, like, Terminator 2, when he's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he definitely had his red rider. Yeah. 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 Totally. And so, something with that, uh, as well, just a couple of quick notes here at the end, um, the gun, uh, it is speculated that family members did wake up. The younger members of the family uh, did wake up, but Ronnie uh, Butch DeFeo uh, probably was like, hey, you're going to hear some noise. It's okay, buddy, because he was the oldest. Everyone else was younger. So, you know, if your older brother comes to your room when you're a kid and says, hey, you're going to hear some loud noises, don't get out of bed. Just one stay right was, here. One of them was in their late teens, though, right? I think one of them was in... Uh, I think the sister, the sister. older sister was closer to his age. Yeah. And, and, that's, she, and that's the only... Uh, that is a big area of contention like we mentioned earlier as well, because it is speculated with good reason that she may have helped him commit the murders, but then he killed her as well at the end, basically to, to eliminate a, a, a witness. Right, right. So there's that. And also, you mentioned the uh, pig in the window, uh, Jody, that was uh, Missy's imaginary friend. Right. Um, that was uh, actually the neighbor had a Persian cat that would sit in the tree outside of Missy's window uh, that he claims to this day is what they, what they were talking about when they mentioned a, uh, oh, that's <laughs> a funny. friend in the window, so yeah. That's funny. Well, thanks everybody for coming out to the Dark History and Horror Convention. Again, Brian uh, Ward, the guy putting all this together, deserves some credit um, and letting us do a little podcast mashup with you guys. Um, definitely come over to our boots. We're sitting uh, about center of the room. Uh, Murder Metal Mayhem and uh, Black Crypt Podcast side by side. So come over to the table. We get some t-shirts and stickers and some different things. And I got a new book that just came out that's over there. So you can spend a little money with us and support the both podcasts. Um, ours is weekly. Uh, you guys do a bi-weekly <laughs> or whenever weekly. By, by, we, try and do, we try and do bi-weekly. And we also have, come check out our booth as well because we do have other uh, bonus content that we put out uh, in the meantime between main episodes. Uh, we have Scream Streams where we uh, review movies on uh, that are streaming Hulu, Amazon Prime. Uh, we have horror cabinets for video game fans out there. We have a YouTube page. Uh, we have Booze and Booze where people talk about real life paranormal events. So, right on. I also want to say thank you to every vendor and anybody who came out, author, everybody who came out tonight. Stay and hook them up. Like buy some merch from them. And then later tonight, stay for the after hour party. There's gonna be some bands playing. Uh, our buddies' bands are playing. Just stay and hang out. Have a good time at this thing, man. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, right. thanks, guys. Well, we'll see you guys around. Thanks again. All right. And one more thing before we turn off the mics. He introduced himself earlier as Myrtle Metal Mayhem. But that's not how you have to say Murder Metal Mayhem. You have to say Murder Metal Mayhem. Thanks, everybody. See you next episode. Oh, shit. That was fun, guys. That was fun.
Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, it's kind of funny hearing it in a live format with a live audience there. And, of course, we're at a convention, so, so people are talking. And, noise going around. You know, it's not like a, people seated in, like, right. a theater watching us. So uh, it, was, it was pretty funny, though, that Brian had to come up and be like, hey, guys, hey, hey, like. I oh, did say it is all ages. Yeah. <laughs> we just come up there all, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. motherfuckers. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> Guys, can you dial it back just PG-13? So, That's yeah, that was funny. funny. <laughs> so thanks again to the guys at Black Crypt Podcast and, of course, yeah, Brian 100%. Ward from the Dark History and Horror Convention. We'll be there again we'll be there this, again year this year in October. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Go check that shit out. Yeah, and go to MurderMetalMayhem.com. Check out all our past episodes. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and we got a Patreon page. So we're all over the place. So thanks, guys, and appreciate you checking it out. So we'll see you next time. See ya. Mother, mother, man. <laughs>